Welcome back to Duskwall. As always, thank you so much for joining us. And a special thank you to everyone who has supported us with reviews, recommendations, and Patreon support. Thanks to our Patreon backers, we now have majority of Season 3 transcribed up through Episode 16. We're able to get more transcripts every month, which means we're steadily catching up with current episodes. Last episode, I teased a Descent into Midnight bonus episode. We still have it, and I do plan on announcing how all of you wonderful folks can unlock that bonus episode. Unfortunately, I ran into some technical issues that have delayed this whole project a bit. The bonus episode itself is fine. I just ran into some snags that haven't quite been untangled yet. I really wanted to kick this off today, and I'm sorry that it didn't work out. But by next episode, we should have everything in place for you all to start working towards unlocking this bonus episode. Next, Minna is going to tell us about this month's featured charity. Minna here, and this month I would like to encourage you to donate to a campaign that splits funds between Fair Fight, Raphael Warnock, and John Ossoff in Georgia. According to the donation page, As we continue to count the votes to hear the voices of Americans, we must prepare for the next fight. Control of the U.S. Senate will come down to Georgia's two runoff elections on January 5th. These runoff elections will be tough fights, but we know we can win. We need your help right now to make sure they win, and to protect the right of every eligible Georgian to make their voice heard. You can donate at secure.actblue.com slash donate slash Georgia Senate. I want to encourage everyone to be safe and cautious as we head into a holiday here in the United States. Please avoid travel or gathering in groups of people outside your home. I know it's hard. I know we are all exhausted and lonely. But COVID doesn't give a damn about holiday traditions. We may have to spend this year missing people that we care about so that we can see them all alive and safe and well next year. There's been a lot of hopeful news about a vaccine recently, but it's still going to be months before it starts to become widely available. So we have to keep doing what's necessary to take care of each other. Now then, let's get started, shall we? So... We find the magpies, as we so often do, heading towards the hound's paw. It is mid-afternoon, and uh, the, the three of them are strolling through Night Market. It's been a handful of days since their, their last score, in which they staged a haunted house and stole back an artifact. Um, and things have been as quiet as they ever are in Duskwall since then. No new major catastrophes. Uh, However, that changes as soon as they walk into the Hound's Paw. There are two familiar figures uh, standing by the bar, engaged in a a sort of quiet but heated conversation. Uh, One of them is uh, Briggs, your your friend and contact in Char Hollow. Mallory, his seeing-eye dog, is sitting on the floor at his side. Uh, the other is Fiona Barker, who is sort of the representative of the Ink Row area in the docks, which for the last couple months has been free of the influence of the Bluecoats and many of the other criminal gangs in the city. 
Um, It's largely being defended by the citizens of that area, along with some help from the Lamp Blacks. Mm -hmm. Um, And and the two of them seem to be uh, engaged in some kind of rather intense conversation. Rigney is at the farthest end of the bar from the two of them. (laughs) (laughs) Very intently polishing a glass. This glass has never been so clean. (laughs) There is uh, a, a bowl of water that has been placed on the ground for Mallory, though. It's clear that he, he did make sure that the dog was taken care of before bolting. <laughs> and as the, the little bell over the door chimes, both of them turn in your direction. And Fiona's like, oh, good. We were starting to worry you weren't going to show up in time. Uh, in time for what? And she starts with, well, you see. And then Briggs uh, says, we have a problem in Coleridge that needs dealing with tonight. Uh, Fiona shoots him kind of a, a glare and then is like, there's a bigger problem in Ankro tonight. I, I, I see. First, let's uh, let's sit at our table and get something to drink away from yelling across the room, please. <laughs> you all head over to your table, um, grab some extra chairs. Uh, Rigney will, will bring over drinks for everybody and kind of shoot the three of you like a mildly apologetic look <laughs> of like... <laughs> Sorry, this is your problem now. Goodbye. Thanks, just shrugs. <laughs> so yeah, I think when, once you're all settled, Briggs will kind of gesture for Fiona to, to go first. She tells you that through some of her sources and contacts, she has learned that the Bluecoats are about to make a big push into Inkro to take back the streets and restore law, etc., etc. And it is happening tonight uh, at about 5 p.m., kind of at the shift change. Eesh. Briggs uh, says that in his part of town, um, in Coleridge, he's heard through his various networks that one of the factories recently fired uh, a lot of their workers who were trying to unionize, and they hired a bunch of you know previously unemployed and very desperate Scovlin refugees in their place. Uh The factory workers who were fired uh, have apparently made a plan to attack the uh, Scovliners when they get off work at 5 p.m. tonight. Oh, dear. So they they both kind of explain their their pieces and then sort of, you know, turn their attention to the, the three of you rather expectantly. Uh... And Minx sits up a little straighter and smiles and says, well, you have come to the right girls. Two jobs in one night is somewhat of a specialty of ours. It is? We've only done it a few times, Minx. And we've succeeded every time. It certainly sounds like a challenge. Yeah, for the record, it's about 2.33 in the afternoon at this point. <laughs> we have three hours oh. to pull it off. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> you have a couple hours Oof. before both of these things are going to happen. Hmm. Yes, you know, only a few hours to curb an inswell of uh, police violence and soothing of racial racial tension. You know, a light afternoon. And I, I think, like, this is not exactly the response that the two of them were expecting. And, and Fiona kind of leans back in her chair and eyes the three of you and is like, so you're telling us that you're going to do both things. Well, uh, two friends of ours have come seeking aid. We don't like leaving anyone out in the cold. These things both clearly need to get done. If we have to make it happen, we'll do it. We'll do our best. 
<laughs> Blair providing a more cautious assessment of that situation. <laughs> Listen, this is it's, such a last minute call, and it's two things at once. It's, it's not a cult related, so therefore Blair is actually showing caution. <laughs> so <True>. Blair, <laughs> Blair has priorities. <laughs> they, they certainly exist. They do exist. It's just a matter of how well they're placed. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think Fiona kind of shrugs a little bit and glances at, at Briggs, who is just sort of thoughtfully scritching Mallory's head. And after a couple of moments, he, says, uh, he just sort of shakes his head and is like, well, I mean, I guess if anybody could get it done, it'd be the three of you. Although we will be most likely enlisting some help. And yeah, Briggs, they they both basically will tell you, like, mm-hmm. we can answer questions you might have right now, but they can't, neither of them wants to stick around very long. They need to get back to their, their people and kind of <laughs> start making their own preparations. Uh, F- Fiona, have you reached out to the Lamp Blacks at all? Um, yeah, Fiona says that, um, you know what, actually, this is gather info. So mm-hmm. let's make that roll and see how, how that conversation went. She definitely has reached out to Bazo, uh, and this roll will determine what how, how that's gone. Three sixes. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, yeah, Fiona says that she, she's reached out to the Lamplacks. Bazo got back to her pretty quickly and is planning to kind of deploy some more forces up there, but... Both Bazo and Fiona are pretty sure it's not going to be enough. And Bazo has made it clear that his priority is his people, his gang, mm-hmm. and that if things get too bad, he will pull them out. Right. He doesn't want to commit to the riot like he did the last one. Yeah, well, and I mean, with the last one, he came in at the end after the rioting was done. Right. So yeah, he's he is sending extra people to to kind of help. Fiona feels like at best that will slow things down and she knows she can't count on them to stay to see the job done that they will pull out at some point. Right. And what what counts as an acceptable result for the both of you? Because at this point mitigation is going to be Especially with the Union riot, I imagine that can be mitigated, but not outright diffused. Yeah, so Fiona wants... Their, both of their ideal situations are difficult to accomplish. Fiona's ideal situation would be prevent the Bluecoats from making this raid at all. Mm-hmm. Briggs' ideal solution would be keep this riot, a riot isn't even really the right word. This attack is basically what's going to happen. Keep the attack from happening at all. However, basically Fiona doesn't want to lose the community controlled area. Briggs doesn't want anybody to die. Right. That's, that's kind of the, that's their, their minimum result. Yes. Well, I'm already cooking up a scheme. I'm not certain how involved you two need to be. You need to get back. Yes. Yes. Although you all should swing by this part of town more often. It was nice to see you. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Briggs nods and is like, yeah, eventually I will come by here when things are not on the verge of catastrophe. Fiona is is a little uh, more noncommittal. She just doesn't (laughs) know you all as well, but is like, oh, yeah, you know, if I can get away. Uh (laughs) 
Myra, Blair, do either of you have questions for these two before they, they take off? Um, I don't think so. I, I'm kind of ready to just hop in together and vote. I guess if he knows a place where the people have been gathering to plan this attack on the factory. You know what? Yeah, go ahead and give me a, a gather info roll for that one. It's four. There have been like a few bars and places down in Char Hollow where he thinks that these folks have been gathering. The plan from what he understands is that at five, they're just going to be outside this factory and raise hell. Mm-hmm. So he, he gives you the name of a few bars where, where they've, but it doesn't seem like there is a, a centralized location where you could find them very easily. But yeah, if, if you don't have any other questions for them, the, the two of them are going to kind of wrap up with the, the pleasantries and goodbyes pretty quickly and uh, head out um, back to their respective districts. Make, make sure to say goodbye to Mallory, too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so where do you want to start? Well, I think our strategy for diverting bluecoats is tried and tested at this point. We just give them something else to do in that area, rather than bothering to enforce a curfew. To be frank, I think the other task will be more difficult. That is some tense diplomacy, I imagine. For what it's worth with the bluecoats, they're not enforcing a curfew. They are they are pushing into the area. They are shutting down this citizen-run thing. Mm-hmm. They are taking it over. There will probably be a lot of arrests of the, the community leaders. But that said, not a bad plan to divert them, at least for tonight. Do we know how many factory workers are planning this attack? I know that I should have asked this before. I'm just curious. We can retroactively have you have asked that. That I feel like would have been reasonably part of the conversation. A few dozen, at least. Yeah, it's a pretty... I mean, basically what happened was and almost everybody working on the factory floor decided they wanted to unionize. They lost their jobs. And got replaced. So, you know, it's it's a lot of angry people. Take another anger on the wrong person. People. Exactly. Time to activate some class consciousness. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Regardless, we only have a couple hours, so I really don't want us to split up again, but we may need to. Well, I, no. I we, mean. We can't, we can't minx. If you think we can get to Ink Row and handle the business there and then get over to Char Hollow and handle that situation inside of a few hours, then I'd love to hear how. I... Blair is just going to like helplessly look at Myra here because <laughs> she doesn't know what to say to that. Something that might solve this, and I don't know how to make it happen, but if we could make either the Scovelanders... Or the disgruntled former workers not be in that area, at least for tonight. Not be at the factory, at least for tonight, I mean. The problem is convincing them that there's a better place to be. Right. We just need to- if we can just buy time on one of these things. Hmm. I feel like delaying the the factory strike would be easier. I could send some ghosts over there. You know, haunt the place, (laughs) drive some people out. <laughs> I I mean I suppose that's true. I don't think they will be willing to hold a protest at a haunted factory. So but what you're proposing is you're 
caging the workers inside, holding them hostage with ghosts, and also keeping the disgruntled former workers at bay with the ghosts. No, no, I... I'll, I'll talk to the reconciled, see if I can get one of them to do it so nobody actually gets hurt. It's just so, you know, they can, I don't know, maybe they'll evacuate instead of being trapped inside? I don't know. I'm not saying it's a bad idea. I'm just trying to think of ways that it, because I know that it hurts you when your ghost friends get hurt. And I'm I'm worried about the toll that could take if, for example, they summon the spirit wardens. Which is very likely how the factory owner would Although, respond. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Perhaps there needn't to be any actual ghosts, but the spirit wardens do appear. What are you talking about? Well, that would convey the image that the place is haunted and also pre- preoccupied otherwise. The spirit warden's presence might dissuade the protesters from approaching, both for the haunted reasons and the presence of a notoriously merciless authority. If we were to somehow drop a hint that there was a haunting issue there, well, that would at least allay it, I think. Right. I'm just thinking about how we do that, make it look haunted, but not really, I, I, and be able to do it quick, too. Perhaps a ghost friend could stir up a right nasty bit of poltergeist shenanigans and then just leave. They needn't be there very long to establish that it is haunted, I think. They would just have to not get caught before spirit wardens show up. Quite. <sighs> I mean, it's possible, but, I mean, it it's dangerous if... I'll, we'll keep that in the back pocket. I'm just trying to think of what we can do so we don't have to split up. Yes, like, my preference would be to simply talk with the disgruntled workers and try to persuade them th- of their true enemy. And perhaps, dro- perhaps drop the factory owner's address at them. <laughs> That's actually not a bad idea. Yeah, but it might require splitting up, and that would... Not necessarily. That might not take too long. Perhaps not. If we can just get that done before we need to be over by the docks. It takes a hot minute to look up someone's address in this universe because there's no yeah. Google. But <laughs> <laughs> perhaps that should be the plan then? We just drop them some personal locations of the owner and give them something to truly protest about? That's not a bad idea instead of using the ghosts. Yes, per- perhaps let's do that then. Now it's a matter of distracting the blue coats. So your just so I'm clear, your plan for the factory situation is to find the factory owner's home address mm-hmm. and provide that to the the protest. Well, yeah, G- give them a better. I don't want to call them pro- protest. Yeah, yeah, give them a, a new target. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay, so so. That makes sense, and then you all were going to start talking about plans for the blue coat. Right. Now, I feel like something involving explosions would be the most persuasive. Um, Something they're convinced that they can no longer spare the manpower for the push. Should we blow up a station? I, hmm. That (laughs) might have some collateral damage, but it would certainly work. I, I... I cannot imagine a situation where that doesn't work. Especially if it's near the docks. Well, yeah, but we could still blow up one of their stations. Okay, this would require delicate timing, but wait until they mobilize and then blow it up. Works for me. (laughs) Now it's a matter of 
transporting that much gunpowder in the short time we have. There are there are other explosives available. You've got like dynamite mm-hmm. uh, type things of, as explosives. Um, but yeah, so basically with this plan, you need to find the factory owner's home address and somehow get that in front of the potential rioters and convince them that that's where they should go instead and obtain a large amount of explosives transport it up into the docks without getting caught and set off a massive explosion on a bunch of blue coats all in the span of about two hours well when you say it like that it makes it sound unreasonable (laughs) (laughs) i am excited to see how y'all pull this off where you want to start? Well, this wouldn't be so much splitting up. Who who wants to work on finding the address and who wants to work on securing explosives? I can roll a study to try and get the address since I have three in study now. That would probably be most helpful. Okay. Well, it, you're going to have to get more specific. Where oh. and how are you studying? Hmm. Because we don't have a phone what, book. <laughs> I was going to say, what is the Duskfall equivalent to yellow pages <laughs> or white pages? I, I believe in the past, you've had to go into Charter Hall and go right. digging through records. Um, since he's a, a business owner, he probably has some kind of paperwork on file for his factory and his home address might be in there. I'm kind of tempted to just like have her walk in and just roll and see what happens. Yeah. You can definitely do that. <laughs> I mean, she might like wear like the barest of disguises, like maybe like have her hood up or something. <laughs> like, like you know, a Jedi on an undercover mission thing where it's just like, oh, I'm in a disguise, but everybody knows I'm a Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> Wearing Jedi robes, carrying lightsaber on belt, but I've put my hood up, so I'm incognito. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I'm if I am down for that. If that's how you want to roll. And again, like, it's gather info. Right. So, like, the worst thing can't happen yet, right? <laughs> yeah. It, if you roll badly, it might just be you get limited information because you have to run out of the building before you get arrested. <laughs> okay. Yeah, let's do that then. Okay. Okay. Highest was a five. Yeah. I think that you are able to get, uh, you, you find some paperwork for like in the course of that conversation, Briggs would have given details about what the factory is and where it is and yada yada yada. So yeah. you would have been able to to find all of that. Um and yeah, you're you're able to find going through kind of the paperwork that had to be filed when he's, you know, when he bought the, the properties, paid taxes on it, that does include um his home address. He lives in a part of the city. As most people do. Um, I think he has a house on, like, the um, the western edge of Night Market. Okay. Because that's, that's close to Coleridge. So he's got a, he has a home there. If you have any follow-up questions. I think that's really all I need. I don't... All right. So Blair has acquired one home address. Uh, Myra or Minx? What do you all want to do? Oh, I might want to find out where the workers are. Okay. Uh, I want to be able to contact them. Yeah. How do you want to go about doing that? Well, I think I'm going to chain some of um friend of a f- friend, right? Like Briggs probably knows people who are involved, right? I think so. Briggs, I, th- I think, got most of his information from people who work at the bars where they were gathering and making these plans. So, oh. like, you know, there was a, a server who was at one of the bars and heard this stuff and was like... 
that sounds sketchy and passed along the information. Oh, I'll ask Clyra because she was in tune with that. That's, that's where she first appeared on screen was seeking information about union stuff. Yes, I will add. So the Clyra works at a, a bar that has a Scovlin history and association. Right. So oh, okay. the, the anti-Scovelin <laughs> ex-workers probably weren't meeting at her place. Uh, hmm. You could just kind of go and, and spend a little bit of time working various bars asking for information. Yeah, I think I need to do that. Okay. So go ahead and roll me something. Six. All right. Nicely done. I think what ends up happening is you... You know, Briggs gave the name of a, a few of the bars that this this group of, of angry ex-workers have been meeting at. The first one you go to, kind of a bust, don't really get a lot of information. It's starting to get busier. None of the staff really want to talk. Second place, you ask around. At some point, you drop Briggs' name as being a friend of yours. And one of the, the servers very discreetly points at a uh, table where there's a bunch of uh, fairly loud, already pretty drunk people. Mm -hmm. And she says that they're kind of part of that group that have been talking about doing something. Right. <laughs> so basically you have, it's not the whole group. Right. But you've got some of them hanging around here. Okay. And it seems like from the way that they're acting, they're planning on staying here until it's time to go over to the factory. Okay. Okay, that's good to know. Well, Minx will have to leave at some point to get the info from Blair, so... Right. Yeah, but that basically the six means they're going to be here. Right. So if you need to circle back before uh, the deadline... They're not going to go anywhere. Cool beans. Yep. Yep. Um, Myra. I think I have to talk to Jaren. Oh, no. no. I don't know yep. who else would know what I need to know about the blue coats. Yeah. Yeah. And listen, if, if he has to be pushed to make the choice. He does. Yeah. I have a clock for Jaren Lurds to be a decent person. <laughs> you do? <laughs> Since I when? think it's actually, I think it's labeled Jaren learns about privilege. <laughs> it's been in my GM notes for ages. I, I didn't know this. Listen, I let him just cool been running down in the background for a long time. Just been running in the background. And Jaren becomes radicalized eight out of a thousand. Honestly, this might be the tipping point because this is either fight back or fight back or get fucked moment. So. <laughs> It's a who-do-you-stand-with moment. Yeah, so uh, how do you go about meeting with with Jaren? Because you don't have a lot of time for your normal hangouts. Yeah, no, I have to go... He's not at work, is he? Yeah, he'd be at work. Oh, that's... He's been back from, from medical leave for a while yeah, now. Yeah, no, I know that. That's worse, because I think, isn't he working somewhere fancier, too, than he used to be? Yeah, he used to be in Charter Hall, I and his his dad pulled some strings, so now he's in, I believe, Brightstone. Ugh. Yep. Time to do a very risky thing. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Those are the best kind of things. Yep. It's how the game goes. 
Do I know where his office would be in this place? No, I wouldn't have been here. Because he's, yeah. I won't know the layout. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. You have no idea where his desk is. Hmm. How do files get between Bluecoat stations? Probably if it's something that needs to, that that's just kind of regular delivery, such as it were, um, it would, there's probably like, you know, blue coat paddy wagons that would, you know, go between the different stations to move prisoners and evidence and paperwork and all of that stuff. If it's something that needs to be delivered very fast, um, it would be, let me look at what the, there is a courier faction. The Ciphers. They are the messenger guild of the city. They swear sacred oaths of secrecy. So, yeah, if it's something that needs to be moved fast, they would hire a cipher. How? Um, otherwise. How easily could I bribe a cipher to let me take basically their uniform for a day? It's going to be tough and it's going to cost you a lot if you can convince them because. Hmm. How about instead? Yeah. <laughs> I have this. I have this nice sleeping potion. <laughs> oh, no, you're going to drug a courier. Listen, you're gonna drag a bike messenger, Minna. It it won't hurt them. It won't have long term consequences. Minna, we're supposed to be saving the post office right now. Leave me alone. (laughs) Oh my god. Okay. Yeah. No. Sure. (laughs) You can attempt this. This is. What are we gonna gonna be rolling? I mean, what is the position and effect? I mean. Yeah, I was gonna say this. Yeah, this is this. You're you're still technically in the gather information phase, but this is an action roll. Um, Jesus Christ, <laughs> y'all are the best. <laughs> Where are you doing this? Where are you jumping this person? Because like you're gonna have to. I feel like you're gonna have to do it close to the station so that you know that it's being delivered there, and you're not just grabbing some random mail. Well, I think I am going to be. You're going to just grab some random mail. And bluff my and way through just having a uniform on. Okay, so you're, you're hiding them outside. Because I can only give it to the archivist. You know, it's it's top, it's for his eyes only. Yeah, so you're hitting this, this poor person who's just doing their job outside <laughs> of Brightstone. Yes, I am not doing this in Brightstone. Okay, in that case, it'll be risky. Standard effect. I might even be doing this in the docks, frankly. Yeah. That's a five. Okay. (laughs) You do it, but there's a consequence. He's going to remember my face. Or she is. Whatever, whoever it is. Um, yes. Okay, so the complication is you, you, you knock this person out. You take, I don't think that they necessarily have like a full uniform. I think it's more of like, I'm picturing like an armband type thing that identifies them as a member. Mm -hmm. So you... You take their armband, you take their mail, and you leave them tucked gently behind a dumpster in an alley. And when they wake up and realize what has happened, the nearest blue coat station to them is the one you all plan on bombing. Mm. Mm. Yep. So the, that blue coat station is going to be tipped off to look for Myra in specific. Because yes, they did get a good look at your face, and we'll be on the lookout for Myra. Myra does not know any of this. Great. Myra just... I love it. Genuinely. a postal worker. (laughs) Leave me alone. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, it's... It'll be fine. Why are you booing me? I'm right. (laughs) 
<laughs> the postal worker, I will say this, will not be at the station when any shenanigans go down. They will be safe at home enjoying dinner. <laughs> okay, so Myra walks into a blue coat station. Your armband and your mail. <laughs> I assume with like a cap on, like pulled down over her yeah, eyes a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Give me a roll to bluff your way back to Jaren. And then once you, if slash when you reach him, then you'll actually do the gather info roll. That's a six, baby. <laughs> what did you roll? I rolled sway. Okay, I figured. Just wanted to. So you, yeah, you you walk up the steps to this this bright stone blue coat station, and you can like there's there's a, a lobby area that you can walk into. Yeah, I like and, walk up to the know. reception desk and lean in. Uh, urgent mail for the archivist. His eyes only. Uh, the. <laughs> The receptionist is uh, glances up from her doodling, is clearly very bored and very tired, and just sort of is like glances at you, glances at the armband, glances at the satchel. Okay, archivist. Um, you want me to call him up here? Uh, to collect. I can take it back. Okay. Uh, and so she she will buzz you through the the secure door. And give you directions. Yeah, down that hall left. It's the second door on the right. Doodle, 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 doodle. <laughs> yeah, Myra. <laughs> Myra nods to the receptionist and goes through the door. Yep. It's the... Does a... a if you, you look like you belong. Yeah, the fast, confident walk that is like, I'm just going where I need to be going. Mm-hmm. Yep, and and this is a particularly heading straight for the archivist's office. This is a, a common occurrence. Nobody pays you any mind. Myra opens the door and just steps inside without like <laughs> giving him any preparation whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, Jaren hears the door open and is like, <laughs> he he's he's reading some kind of ledger, and when when the door opens, it's just like. Erickson, I didn't think we... Myra, what are you doing here? <laughs> how did you... How did you get that? You're not a cipher? Oh my god, did you kill a cipher? I did not kill a cipher. What do you take me for? <laughs> I don't... You... How did you... You stole... They're very protective of their things. What are you doing here? A lot of lives hang in the balance, Jaren. So if you could please... I know this is... I know this is a risk I'm taking, but if you could please stop panicking for just a second, we don't need people coming to investigate. <laughs> Sorry, a, lot of lives, a lot of lives are in the balance, but please calm down. I know I just told an anxious person to calm down and that doesn't work. <laughs> Jaren leans back in his chair, drags his hands down his face, and just goes, what do you want, Myra? The blue coats are closing in on the docks tonight. I need everything you know about it. Give me a roll. Let's find out what, what your boy knows. It's a, it's a consort and it's a gather info, right? Yes. Um, I'm debating... I might have to take if... away a die because... Yeah, yeah. I think you are going to be down a die because of your... You, you kind of sort of told him you weren't going to do this anymore. So, I did, yeah. until it was important that I do this again. <laughs> yeah. This is me at normal rolling then, right? Because it's usually it'd be a plus one die and I've subtracted one die. So I'm at four dice. Yeah, yeah. You're basically not getting the gondolier bonus. Six! Oh, nice. Yeah, Jaren is, is still slowly dragging his hands down his face <laughs> and then kind of drops them into his lap and gives you a look and is like, I kind of f 
flips through his papers and pulls out uh, a, a few pages and is just like, somebody from on high outside the Bluecoats put in a request and made a donation to have this happen tonight. And he will hold out the papers. Uh, and what's on the papers is basically kind of the overtime pay for all of the blue coats that are doing this raid. There's a lot of them, but you do kind of have a, a number. And there's also kind of the like, you know, armaments requisition paperwork that's in here. And like, they're going in hard. Um, the other thing that you do see as you're flipping through these papers is note in there about the uh, charitable donation that was made to the hardworking members of the Bluecoats from one Lord Alistair Mora. Oh, yep. <laughs> I think Myra sees that and she like closes her eyes and is like visibly like, it's hard to tell if she's like shaken or angry or what it is, but yeah, uh, she is having an emotion about that visibly. Are you, are you okay? It's getting harder and harder to do this fight. It's okay. I just reminded again how much power they wield. Look, I don't I don't know if what those people in the docks are doing is right or wrong, but They're just living their lives. They just want to live their lives free of this. This man who wanted to put, frankly, a monstrosity in the docks, and then he just buys out all of these people armed to the teeth who are going to be fighting people who can't possibly fight them off. Yeah, that that's the part that I'm not real comfortable with. Whatever happens tonight, Jaren, I think you should be at home. Go home early. Just stay out of it. Well, my, I mean, my shift ends at five. Leave before five. It's not going to be pretty. He looks genuinely very conflicted. Aw, attaboy. Mmm. <laughs> What did that mean, Rach? What was that role for? That was for for moving up his privilege, learning about clock. Oh, good. Jaren, like I said, looks conflicted, um, but then nods slowly and is like, yeah, I can just say my leg's acting up. You should get out of here, though. Yeah, that's probably for the best. Thank you. He doesn't really say anything in response to you thanking him. He just looks uncomfortable <laughs> looks down at his papers uh and yeah you're you're able to again like he he lets you take those papers that he gave you mm -hmm. um so but again you're able to leave without any difficulty yeah, she just like hides them in her satchel with the other mail so yeah you're you're able to leave with this information i think that the the three of you each kind of doing these things um probably about an hour has passed so you have roughly an hour until things start happening. Still need to get some kind of explosives. I feel like if, if we are moving into acquiring explosives slash persuading people to go somewhere else, we're going to be moving into the score proper. Okie dokie. Because um, at this point, it's, it's no longer getting intelligence. You are actively trying to do things. Good God, what kind of engagement is this? <laughs> yes. I think, well, okay, so it's... <laughs> It's uh, 50%, I would say, social, because you are trying to negotiate, bargain, or persuade the factory workers, and 50% assault. You are doing violence to a target. So this is a 1d6 engagement roll. A four. 
So you're going to be in a risky position. So where where are you starting? Probably tipping off the workers, right? Okay. That makes sense. So I'm imagining that like the three of you split to do your gather info, you reconvened, shared what you'd learned, and are now heading back down to Char Hollow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So Minx, you're able to head right back to the bar where you were like maybe 30 minutes ago. Uh, the The crowd of angry former factory workers has grown a little bit. They're a lot louder. They're a lot drunker. They're a lot angrier. There's a lot of shouting. You can hear like, you know, angry tirades against those filthy scoves, things like that. Mm. And the server uh, who had kind of pointed them out gives you like a a look that's kind of like half relieved to see you, but also a little worried of like, Mm -hmm. is this, is my night about to get a lot better or infinitely worse? Uh (laughs) So yeah, how do y'all want to proceed here? I think Minx has her hair down and, like, things a little bit looser. I, she's not willing to outright dress down, but, like, try to seem, like, more approachable, I guess. Yeah. I, I think she'll calmly order a drink and then try and find a spot to slip into the crowd. Yeah. Let's see here. Is there someone who is, like, calling stuff out and then, like, the people are responding? Like, someone who's getting everyone riled up? Yeah, there's somebody who's who is maybe not the ringleader of the whole thing, but is definitely the loudest person in this little group. Right. Myra and Blair, what are the two of you doing before we we proceed? Probably just like, you know, keeping an eye on the exits and whatnot. I, I know that's like my default position, but like it's it's always a good thing to keep an eye on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, for sure. Myra, what do you want to do? Myra's going to mingle and keep an eye on things, and if like if Minx can use support, she can jump in. Okay. So Minx is infiltrating the crowd. Myra's hanging out on the periphery. Blair, I imagine, is like sitting at the actual bar. Because I feel like this group is at a bunch of tables. Blair's sitting at the bar, keeping an eye on the exits. That's mm-hmm. about right? Yeah. All right. Well, then, Minx, take it away. Yeah, who seems to be being like the, the, the loudest and... Yeah, so I think it's a um, Akarosian man. Looks like he's in his mid-30s. He's got longer, dark brown hair pulled back into a ponytail. He's gesturing a lot as he's talking, and you can see that he's um, missing two fingers on his right hand. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I don't I don't think you're going to get a name at this juncture, but he's, right. yeah, he... He uh, is is pretty red in the face. You can't tell if it's from emotion or alcohol or both. But yeah, he's mm-hmm. he seems to be the one kind of keeping the crowd riled up. Hi, excuse me. And it, it takes him a second to mm-hmm. sort of process that someone has very politely approached him in the <laughs> middle of his rant. And it's like, it, it's sort of the verbal equivalent of like somebody... You know when you're walking down a flight of stairs and you miss a step and you don't fully uh-huh. fall, but you do that, like, stumble? Yeah. <laughs> it's the verbal equivalent of that. <laughs> Good. Stop guard. Yeah, so he's just, what, who the, who the fuck are you? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I just couldn't help but fe- hear some of the things you're talking about, and I sympathize. And my name is Minx, by the way. She'll offer her hand politely. He just kind of stares at you. Maybe I should roll something about it. Go ahead and make a roll, because at this point, um, it's going to be risky. The The rest of the table has gone kind of not fully quiet, 
But without this guy kind of riling everybody up, it's sort of broken up into smaller conversations. Mm-hmm. Some people are watching you, though, for sure. So it's going to be risky, I think, reduced effect right now because you didn't, you don't look like you belong. Right. Um, I think I'm going to go with consort. Okay. That makes sense. I got a five. What, what are you, what are you trying to accomplish here in, in this initial exchange? I want to get him to shake my hand and slip him a magpie's pin. Okay. Interesting. Okay. He shakes your hand. It does seem very much as it's a like, not that he necessarily wants to or is consciously thinking about it. It's just that that social training of someone is extending a hand, so I will shake. Uh huh. And then he, when when you 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 know palm him the pin, he kind of looks at it and confused and turns it over and is like, "The fuck is this?" and throws it down on the table and it kind of skitters along. Somebody else further down the table sees it and picks it up and says very loudly. Oh, holy shit, you're with the magpies? <laughs> okay, well, I was trying to be oh, subtle no. about it, but... So the com- so the reduced effect is this guy doesn't know who the magpies are, but uh-huh. he's not immediately any more or less hostile towards you. The complication is this other person knows who you are and just announced it to everybody at this bar. All right, well, I was trying to be subtle about it, but yes, yes, I'm with the magpies. Oh, shit, Hello. sorry, sorry. Mm-hmm. It's a cool pin. Thank you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just, well, a few of them are like leaning in to look at it. They all seem very pleased that they have acquired a magpie's pin. Well, now that it seems that I am addressing the table, I just wanted to say that we like what you're doing. We've helped out with things like this in the past, but we think we might have a better place for your voices to be heard. The fuck are you talking about? Well, at the factory, all that's going to be there is other workers, and I understand your frustration with them, but also it's a bit hard to deal with and force your way into. But when you think about it, who puts the people who replaced you there? Your boss, correct? You can see the gears are turning. (laughs) Yes, you can yell at them all you like, but the most they can do is quit, and your boss isn't going to be there, is he? You know what, at this point, yeah, give give me a roll. Okay. Similar, I think risky standard at this point, you've gotten their attention a lot more. I got a six. Yes, you did. Wonderful. <laughs> so I, I think the, the, the ringleader still seems to be, you're getting the impression now that he's had a fair amount to drink. Yeah. <laughs> um, a few other people at the table, not so much. And, and somebody else is like, no, Maroden's pretty much never there. He just leaves it to the foreman. Right. But wouldn't you prefer it if you could, um, let's say, voice your concerns directly to him? And I think she's going to pull out a paper with the address written on it. For example, I think he'd have no choice to listen to you if he heard the complaints coming through his bedroom window, yes? The the ringleader takes the, the paper and kind of squints at it. And somebody else who, again, is a little more sober leans over and is like, well, that's just across the bridge in Night Market. That's not far. Give me, I think, one more roll. I, I'm, I, I sort of have a mental clock for persuading the table. And like, they're leaning in your direction, but they've spent the last few hours getting really riled up about beating the crap out of a bunch of Scovelanders. So like, right. they, you got to do, a, yeah, like some people are kind of like, yeah, that, that makes sense. It's like, those fuckers took our jobs, though. We can't just let them get away with it. And there's a little back and forth. So I think they need just one, one more push. Would you like me to help? Or do you want to do it? Sure, let's have Maya hop in. 
So I think Myra, like, emerges from the crowd and, like, settles next to Minx, kind of, like, leaning on the table. They may have taken your jobs, but they were in the same situation you are before that job opened up. Who do you think isn't listening to you? It's not them. Uh, give me a roll. Um, it's gonna be risky, greater effect, because at this point, Minx has done most of the lifting to, to get them to this point. They just need the shove over the edge. I'm gonna stop using Google Dice because I'm starting to feel bad, but that's a crit. (laughs) (laughs) Are you serious? I am very serious. (laughs) All right. And that was a a consort, I assume? It was. I am rolling four dice on a consort, too, so. So, yeah, I think that they all kind of, like, there's there's some looking around at each other, and the person who, who was very excited about getting the magpie pen is just like, they're right. Fuck that guy. Let's take this to his fucking house. And yeah, I think the, the ringleader is like, all right, let's go round up everybody else and get to night market. So <laughs> he's just like, okay, as long as I get to beat the shit out of somebody tonight, I'll get it is kind of his attitude. So yeah, they've, they've got the paper. You know, there's kind of a collective downing of drinks, coin being thrown onto the table. Um, and they, they stagger out. And it seems like you've largely at this point redirected the the situation thank you myra <laughs> the the server who had been talking to you just like comes over to start cleaning up and it's just like thank you <laughs> oh it's no issue minx leaves a sizable tip but then <laughs> also i think starts rapidly taking off like her outer outer coat to like flip it around so that yeah <laughs> <laughs> she, she looks different going over to the docks yeah, so at this point, you have, it's, I'm going to say, it's about 4.20. Mm. Blaze it. Thank you. I, was, <laughs> I figured somebody was going to do that. <laughs> um, so you have, at this point, 40 minutes to obtain explosives, make it across town, and set up a bombing. Remember back with the boats. That we stole a bunch of ectoplasm from. Yes. How much was gotten out of that? Not a ton, and it went to the, the ink row folks. Oh, right. Okay. All, all of it went. Mm-hmm. Because you only got two or three barrels, I think. You didn't get a ton. But what you're saying is the ink row people have barrels of ectoplasm. They've been using it to power the generators. Right. So they might have some electroplasm on hand, but it, it, it'll kind of, it'll it'll hinge on rolls. I think ultimately is what I'm going to say. Yeah, uh, what they hey, have. Hey Blair, mm-hmm. is is ectoplasm volatile? Uh, not usually, but in large amounts it can be. Yeah. Well, I think the Inkro people have some. Yes, I think we might need to persuade them to lend some. That could work. And then perhaps promise to replace it. Uh, well, how much are we taking? I mean, should only be, I was thinking a barrel. How big is the station? Um. And we don't need to annihilate it, just get it lit up. You're going to need more than one barrel to mm. to put a, a enough of a dent in the building to call off this operation. Right. I would say... It's a reasonably large building. Um, I'm going to say three or four barrels. 
I'm just thinking logistically of like how in the world we replace three to four barrels of it because that's a you, lot to like come up with. You do have like eight coin in your vault. You could just offer to pay them for it. That's true. Yeah. You could just pay them. That works. Um, however, let us first get you all up to the docks. Mm-hmm. I think because you have positive relationships with both the cabbies and the gondoliers, mm-hmm. you're able to get there pretty quick. I think it, it'll take you about 15 minutes to get from Char Hollow to the docks. Okay. That's going to make it 4.35. You have less than half an hour. Great. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I, th- I think we may want to ask our cabbie to be like, we might need a couple more wagons. Um, okay, yeah. Well, actually, no. Give me a roll. Okay. Mm, I got a two. I think that the, the cabbie's just like, uh, I don't know how much is going to be available right now. We're getting to everybody's coming off work right now. Not a lot of folks are free. Well, I'll see what I can do, but uh, wouldn't hold your breath. All right. Well, thank you anyway. Yep. Off goes the goat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did you momentarily forget that there were giant goats that pulled it? No, I just <laughs> love when you do sound effects with your mouth. <laughs> I, you can't see it, but I'm also doing little finger walking <laughs> gestures. Yes, you're doing little yes. Adorable. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, what do you want to do? Um, Find Fiona, probably. Okay. That actually is pretty easy. Uh, she's in the center of there. There is a lot of hustle and bustle happening. People are, are boarding up windows. Barricades are being set up. You can see that people are arming themselves. Myra, from the papers you saw, you know that what they're doing will slow things down, but it's not going to be enough to stop this. But yeah, Fiona is basically in the midst of all this kind of working with a couple other people to sort of coordinate the, the defense efforts. Uh-huh. And she glances up when she sees the the three of you approaching and and looks a little surprised and is like, huh, I'm starting to worry you weren't going to make it. Oh, yes, we are short in time, but we intend to make good on our our word. Slight ask there. Um, It's going to have to be a bit extreme, and we may need a couple barrels of ectoplasm, and I'm aware that might leave some people without power, but it's either this happens or... You do that. We can pay you for it or replace it or whatever. We just need to get some ectoplasm over to the station in about 15 minutes. All three of them were like, it's it's Fiona and two other people were like, you know, looking at maps and giving, you know, orders to people. And, and as you talk, all three of them just kind of stop what they're doing and slowly look at you and give me a roll. Okay. It's going to be, it's going to be controlled. Because she doesn't have a lot of other options. So she, she's going to be a fairly inclined to, to go along with your plan. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think controlled standard effect. Um, what did Devil's Bargain look like here? I'm having a hard time because like, I'm, I'm trying to think of something that's other than the consequences that you have all already generated through your actions. <laughs> <laughs> there are no more bargains left. The consequences of your own actions are too much tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, too many. Um, Hell is empty, and all the devils are you. <laughs> I'm leaning towards doing like level one harm, just like overwhelmed or something, where like you the the pressure is starting to get to Minx. Sure. Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, so you're gonna be at reduced effect. Kind of anything where you'd need to have a a cool, calm demeanor. <laughs> 
anything that's precision, uh, you're going to just, it's going to be a little harder to, to take things slow and careful mm-hmm. for right now. Um, I want to push for sway on this, or is this more cons- consorted? I think it would be sway if you don't intend to replace the stuff you're taking. Right. So I, I think it's likely going to be consort. Okay. In that case, I would like to spend two stress to use work scan, but to use sway anyway. Yep. Go um, for it. <laughs> uh-huh. So you've got, so you're using sway. You've got an extra die from the devil's bargain. It's controlled, standard effect. Mm-hmm. About as locked in as you can, I think, at this point. Unless somebody wants to give an assist. If somebody wants to take a point of stress to, uh, to back Minks up, yeah, I think that's going to I can do that. Be- but <laughs> I'm just picturing that Blair is standing behind Minx doing her best puppy dog eyes. Yeah. Aww. Please, we really need the explosives. She's really good at puppy dog eyes. Got a six, but that was a lot of one through three yeah. in there. It, you, I'm, it's a good thing you invested the way you did. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Everything else on that would have been a, uh, a one to a three. Damn. Okay. Fiona kind of studies you for for a moment and kind of works her jaw as she's thinking and then, you know, gestures to one of the people next to her and is like, is is everything still loaded up? And yeah, he he nods and is like, yeah, yeah, I'll I'll go get it. Um and so he runs off, grabs a couple people as he runs and she says, you know, as as he takes off, she's like, "We I think had a a similar line of thought. Uh we just were planning on, well, if we can't have it, nobody can. Oh, no. Heaven, heavens no. Keep this. Uh, just, un, un, unfortunately, there's not enough time left for complicated maneuvering, so we're blowing up a blue coat station. <laughs> there's somebody who's, like, jogging behind Fiona with, like, a, <laughs> an armload of, of, like, wood for, for boarding up things and just kind of looks at you. <laughs> it's just like, what? <laughs> but continues on. So yeah, it's just a couple minutes when when uh, these folks come back, carry you know hauling basically a um, I don't want to say wheelbarrow. It's you know a, a hand cart, but it's large enough to contain uh, three full oil drums basically of electroplasm. Nice. They they've, they're they're tied down and secured to this thing. They 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 hadn't quite gotten to the stage of prepping it to explode, but like this mm-hmm. is it's it's ready to be turned into a bomb. <laughs> Um, and, and Fiona is like, if you can help us replace this after, if we need it after, we'd appreciate it. Yes, yes. Uh, wouldn't want to leave you without. Um, Blair and Myra, you two might need to take point from here on out. <laughs> Mink stabs her forehead with a handkerchief. Hey, hey you okay? Uh, yes, I'm fine. I can continue. Just my brain power is spent. Well, all right, well. Try to get this done as soon as we can, and then you should rest up, okay? Yes. Yes, once we're done. All right. So you've got about 20 minutes and uh, a cart full of uh, explosive electroplasm. Uh-huh. What's the plan? So we still have those underground maps, right? Yeah, you do. Do they go under the blue coat station we want to target? That's not a bad I idea. I mean, we know they go under Ink Row, at least. Yeah, they do. that's how we got in. Um... Myra, give me a fortune roll, uh, a 3d6. We'll do this equal to the group's tier. This is just going to be pure, <laughs> pure luck. That's a six. If, you know, you can have your maps on you, you can consult your maps. And yes, uh, there is a passage that will lead, not like straight underneath, but basically 
it, it won't lead, like, you can't plant it right in the center underneath it, but you can plant it off to one, like, it'll it'll go up underneath one side of the station, basically. Can I place charges at two ends of the station? Yeah, you could do, like, uh, the, so this passage runs north to south, so you could do, like, the nor- yeah, the south edge of the station and the north edge of the station. I just want to add more confusion. Yeah, you can you can do that. I like this plan. Uh, the one thing that I think is going to be a challenge for you is uh, the catacombs of Duskwall are not everything is accessed by stairs, mm-hmm. so getting your cart down there is going to be tough. Hmm. Mm. Makeshift pulley system. You've got fifteen I- minutes. <laughs> uh, what, what, I mean, what does the entrance look like? Can we just kick a barrel down the stairs and through the door? <laughs> I mean, yeah, we don't have to do anything fancy. Like, yeah, like, just down into the catacombs? Yes. Underneath? I'm gonna do my own fortune roll now. And I got a six. <laughs> the dice really want y'all to blow up a police station tonight, and I support this. I support them wholeheartedly. So, yes, I think that if you all drag the cart in that general direction, there's a... The entrance point isn't super close to the blue coat station. I think as you're going, though, like you do kind of pass by the street outside and you can see the squads forming up. It's a lot of people, heavily armored, armed guns and billy clubs and like shields. They're they're getting ready to hurt a lot of people. And I think that the entrance point is the way that I usually picture the like uh, canal and catacomb access is that there's just like archways or doors just at various points around the city, and then there's stairs that lead down into them. Uh-huh. Um, and I think that's what this is, is that, like, it's the alley. There's an there's an alley near the Blue Coat Station that gives an entrance point that'll lead down to the tunnels um, leading in underneath the station. So... All right, girls, I think we'll just have to roll them, unless you have the means to do a makeshift pulley system on hand. Mm, no. Rolling works. Rolling works. All right. I think, tell me how, how, how are you approaching this? Are you just like trying to roll them down and if they blow up at the bottom, great. Are you trying to do it a little more carefully so you can get them into position? What's your, what's your approach here? Yeah. What are y'all thinking? Hmm. Because I, I'm, Minx is trying to not do it slow, but that might be unwise. So I will mention you could use like, you know, if you somebody marks climbing gear, that'll get you rope that you could possibly use. Not necessarily a pulley system, but to at least sort of slow things. Maybe wrap around the barrel so you can ease it down. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I can mark climbing gear. Yeah. So do you all want to do maybe a, a group something to try and ease these down? Yeah. Yeah, that works. Sounds like a group prowl or something. Yeah, I think Prowl. Uh, the reason I was asking, because like, if you're just kicking him down there and leaving it in God's hands, it was going to be wreck. <laughs> uh, who is leaving? Oh, but I think with, the, with, with this approach, it'll be, it'll be Prowl. Risky position, obviously. I think standard effect. And who is going to lead? I don't mind. Okay. All right. I got a four. Three. Three. So I take two points of stress. And it's a four. So you do it, but there's a consequence. I think that the consequence is just that, like, you're doing it, you're being careful, and it takes time. So you basically are running, like, by the time you get the barrels down the stairs and to the, like, the south end of the tunnel, Mm -hmm. it's about five o'clock. 
Oh, no. So you probably don't have time to get anything up to the north end. And you, you can do one mm. more roll, <laughs> essentially, is what this comes down to. Uh, group wreck? Yeah, I think it has to be. Somebody's going to need to mark demo- demolition tools to basically... Because it's uh, a barrel of, of oil or gas isn't just going to explode on its own. You'll have to sort of... I can of- do that. Um, oh, are you sure? Yeah, I can do that. Okay. I think for flavor, Blair should lead this because she yeah. actually knows how to explode <laughs> electroplasm. <laughs> That's... Yeah, yeah, I can lead it. I have the stress to spare. I just... I actually don't have anything in Rex, so it's roll two, take the lower for no ranks and yeah, skill, that's right? Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, so this is still going to be risky, standard effect still, and yeah, I'm just enjoying the mental image of like three barrels placed together and then like a, one of those bundles of dynamite gently placed on top. <laughs> I'm so mad. I rolled a six, but I rolled a three, so I have to take the three. I got a five. Two. So is that one or two points of stress? You take two points of stress, but the result is a five. Okay. So here's what happens. You get the barrels placed at the south end of the tunnel, or the basically like the, the south, we'll say, southeast corner of the Blue Coat Station. It's right underneath that point. You set up the dynamite. Blair maybe like scrawls some quick runes, lays out the wires appropriately, does whatever she needs to to make sure that this blows. You light the fuse and you run. And... I think what we see topside is the, uh, you know, blue coat captain gives the order to march out and the squadrons start moving and they make it 10 steps, 10 paces when this massive explosion takes out a corner of the station. Masonry is falling from the sky. People are screaming and running. It's a, a huge blast. Can it be green because it's ectoplasm? Oh yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so Yay, there's yeah, green fire. The, the the fire the fireball is is different shades of green instead of red and orange and yellow. The blue coats, you know, th- there, there's a moment of kind of stunned res- uh, stunned shock from the captain, and then you know gives the order to you know get in there, evacuate, look for who's behind this, etc. They have called off the attack for tonight. They're not moving on Incro tonight. And so we, we kind of pan down back underneath the, the street and we see all three of you sprawled in, in varying states of unkemptness and injury across the stairs. You didn't quite make it out. Nobody is dead, but you're all going to take level two harm. You can pick your injuries, but you basically got caught in the edge of the explosion. Oof. Uh, you're, free, you're free to resist. Uh, if you would like. Yeah, what do we roll to resist? Uh, this will be prowess. Okay, it's a six for me. I got a six. Six, Woo! so neither of you, uh, so so for both of you, it'll drop down to level one harm. Okay. okay. I rolled a four, so I'm going to take two stress and Two one stress harm. and drop it to level one. So I, I think, yeah, the, you, you all made it further up the stairs. Uh, still got kind of hit with kind of the shrapnel- Mm-hmm. pelted with with small rocks and stuff i think you know you're basically a little singed uh, fairly bruised a couple of you've got cuts you can have them in places of various sexiness if you'd like it's at your discretion <laughs> <laughs> but yeah like i i'm just imagining that like you're all kind of you know sprawled in a heap on the stairs but you can hear you know the bells clanging up above you previously where you are on the stairs was not open to the sky <laughs> 
Aww. Now Oops. it is. You can see the the stars overhead. And it, it sounds like it is absolute chaos up there. However, if you all are found here, <laughs> it's going to be pretty obvious what your involvement was. I think we need to get away from here. Quickly. Yeah. You want to give me one one more roll to make your daring escape? Yeah. Um, group prowl? Sure. Yeah, I can lead if we need me to. I got a three. I got a three. Are two ones a critical failure? No, it's but just a failure. There's fail. no such thing. We did fail and I took three stress. Oof. Yeah. So what does that put you at? Uh, that is all but one of my stress things, Mark. <gasps> oh. oh, so close. So, yeah, I think that it just, it takes the three of you a, a little while to kind of get to your feet and, and start moving again. None of you are moving very fast. You're all like, your, your ears are ringing. You're stumbling. You know, it's, you're, you're, you're banged up. You're in bad shape. And you, you are making your way down an alley and kind of turn out onto a side street and basically walk smack dab into a small group. And by small, I mean five of these heavily armed, basically like riot police oh, God. blue coats. Oh, dear. Yep. So you're in a desperate position, all three of you. I mean, we're in no shape to fight these guys, right? No, no, we're not. I will remind you that amongst your gear is smoke bombs. <laughs> I don't know if those will necessarily get you out of this, but you do have them as an option. Yeah, can I just, you know, just shove one of these smoke bombs onto the ground? Yeah, yeah. So that is going to your desperate position. Mm -hmm. Standard effect, I'm going to say. Seeks is good at what she does. Uh, what are you going to roll for this? It's a good question. I mean, just to throw it on the ground. Pull up a character sheet so I can remember what all the actions are. I mean, Prowl is kind of the catch-all for physical stuff. Okay. Would you like a Devil's Bargain? Would you like to push yourself? Ooh. I mean, you want to assist? I would like to assist. Oh, that'd be great. Extra die. I forget. Can we do assess and Devil's Bargains in the same? Yes. Yeah. All right. I'm just curious as to what a Devil's Bargain would look like here. I'm going to pull out a, an old an old classic Devil's Bargain I haven't used for a while. Um, if there are any consequences to this action, you can't resist them. Yeah. All right. I'll pass on that. I, I trust that with three dice, maybe something will good will happen. <laughs> you we'll can, if you, have, if you have the stress available, you can still push yourself and no. get an assist if you would rather. No, because okay. I have only have two stress left. If I push myself, I take on a third trauma <laughs> and I don't want to do right. that to Blair tonight. That's fair. Okay, great. Four, five, six. Okay. Whew. So, yeah, d describe just throwing this down. Yeah, so the way I picture that this happens is that we're trying to get away and we all just, like, skid and, like, come to a screeching halt as we are faced with these, you know, five blue coats. There's no time to, like, even react or say anything or take any action. Blair doesn't even say anything. She just reaches, like, into her belt or back pocket, bag, whatever, um, grabs a smoke bomb and just hurls it at the ground. Yeah, I think that this massive plume of purple-gray smoke immediately shoots up and uh, starts filling the alley. And I think that the uh, the the blue coats, uh, you can hear a couple of them coughing, a couple of them shouting like after them. But it buys you just enough time that you are able to 
sprint kind of back into the network of alleys, I think probably dipping back down into the tunnels under the city where it's a lot harder for them to follow you and you are able to escape. Phew. So the magpies make their way back to the nest, lay low for a little bit until it's safe to slip out and go visit Seeks to get their wounds patched up. And across the city, the fallout from their actions this evening uh, begins to play out. We see a house in Night Market, you know, one of the brick townhomes that's very common in the neighborhood, covered in burn marks, windows are broken, the houses on either side have some scorch marks on them, but don't appear to be too badly damaged. There are members of the Blue Coats walking around the area, talking to witnesses, uh, members of the brigade putting out the remains of the fire, and numerous paddy wagons full of badly beaten and arrested uh, protesters. Mm -hmm. We fade from that to a blue coat office where a blue coat captain is standing very stoically, arms behind his back, uh, as Lord Mora screams a tirade at him. We can't really hear it, but we can tell that he's furious uh, and is pointing and gesturing, and the captain is just sort of nodding along, and we can see that uh, there, there's, you know, pointing at maps of the docks, that are covered in arrows and plans. And it seems like the Bluecoats have backed off for a time, but Lord Mora made an investment and he expects to be repaid for it. So they're probably going to try again at some point. And then we move to another Bluecoat station to an interrogation room where Jaren is sitting in a chair across from two other blue coats. <gasps> and in front of Jaren is a sketch, someone who bears a pretty strong resemblance to Myra. And the blue coats are asking why he was seen meeting with someone who mugged a cipher and who matches this description. And Jaren looks to be... Pretty nervous. Please lie your ass away. off, Jaren. Huh? Mm -hmm. Please lie your ass off, Jaren. <laughs> Stressed out. He's doing his best, but he's uh, he's not as good a liar as Myra is. And finally, we we come back to the nest where I think it's it's the next morning, late morning, uh, closer to noon. Uh, the magpies have come out of their rooms, having gotten as much sleep as they can after their very stressful afternoon the day before. Um, I think everybody has bandages in various spots, probably moving a bit slower and, and stiffer. Somebody has, has trekked outside to fetch uh, a paper from a, a nearby newsstand. And the, the top headline, front page, above the fold, Magpies strike again in terrorist attack on Dockside Bluecoat Station. And there's a, a sketch of the 
blown up blue coat station on the, the front page. So that's what you all have with your breakfast. Could they not use a fancier word than terrorist? I imagine they have limited imaginations. Perhaps, <laughs> but I, I prefer when they say dashing rogue. <laughs> yeah, I think they are starting to actually take notice. That's encouraging anyway. It is. I mean, eventually it's going to come to things change or we stop. And I think the sooner we get to that point, the better. The longer this drags out, the more people are put in danger. I think we're in for a long road, no matter what. Hmm. Who knows? <sighs> I... Yeah, I suppose so. <laughs> it puts the pressure on us, but we stopped it for now. Yes. We got that delay. Once we handle the Circle of Flame, I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep doing this. What? What do you mean? Just all of the stuff we've been through, I I would need a long, long break at least. I mean, we can do a break, but makes you're not you're not talking about walking away, are you? No, no, just changing tactic. I don't know. I haven't decided anything yet, and whatever decision I make, I it wouldn't be one that takes me away from both of you. Okay. I say let's stick to the task at hand. We can worry about later, later. Yes, you're right, of course. Take down Circle of Flame, stop Salia, stop Zatara, and then we'll figure out the rest from there. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening. The Magpies will be back in two weeks. In the meantime, follow us on Twitter at magpies underscore pod and visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash magpiespodcast. The Magpies Podcast is GM'd and produced by Ree. Follow me on Twitter at Rhiannon42. And check out rpgskillcheck.net for my copy editing and accessibility freelance site. Blair Culhane is played by Kim Kogut. Follow her on Twitter at KimDeannaJones. Minx is played by Josie. Follow her on Twitter at DragonGirlJosie, and watch her art streams at picarto.tv slash DragonGirlJosie. Myra Keel is played by Minna. Follow her on Twitter at MinaMinar. The opening and closing theme music is from Trio for Piano, Violin, and Viola by Kevin MacLeod, and is used under a Creative Commons license. The Blades in the Dark roleplay system is the creation of John Harper, and is published by Evil Hat Productions. <laughs> I need to go let my cat out. I forgot he was in here. He's now attempting to break down the door, which I'm sure will carry on to my <laughs> <Yeah>. Raja. <laughs> go for oh, Raja. <laughs> Creamy mother. <laughs> mother. Mother, I crave violence. You are the one who stole my pillows for like five hours. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> He's gone. <laughs>